The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. History of man's law versus principles. SCOTUS actually stands for freedom. Overturning Roe versus Wade will not make abortion illegal. And foreign policy updates on both North Korea and Iran. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the action, but you stay for the principles. We have a jam-packed show for you today, and before we get into the issues of the day, I want to actually take you back and take you through a little sort of a a snapshot through history to lay the foundation for what I want to talk to you about later on in the show. You know, if you look around in the world today, and you, especially if you look around in America, and you watch the media, and you watch what people are posting on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, and, and all these hashtags, it's easy to get caught up in the issues of the day. It's easy to get caught up in the battles of the day. And if you were just to take a snapshot of any day this week, you would be convinced that what's happening in America, and it's also happening around the world, is this big ideological battle of left versus right. Or in America, Republicans versus Democrats. But that isn't, that's only offering a very, you know, a picture, like, you know, you take a picture on your phone of one split second in time. But the context of this story has been forgotten. The history of this story has been forgotten because we don't talk about principle. Well, we do on this show, but in general, in society, we don't talk about principles. We don't talk about our journey. And when I say our journey, let's just be clear, I'm not talking about a white man's journey or even a man's journey or a woman's journey or a straight person's journey. I'm talking about mankind. I'm talking about everyone. American, Irish, English, black, white, straight, gay, transgendered, everything. And I'll start the story where if you have any type of, of faith, I'm going to you know, progress and p- portray my faith and put it onto you and make you believe what I believe right now. But, you know, my faith as a Christian, and it's the same for all Christians and for Jews, we believe God created the earth. <gasps> oh, my God. Do you hear the overtones in what I'm saying to you? I'm, I'm trying to convert you. I'm not. I'm just trying to share history with you. And if you follow or share any of my beliefs that God created the earth and the Christian God and the Jewish God created the earth, we were given two very simple rules by God in the Garden of Eden. All man was given was two rules. And one of those rules was very, is, is actually quite fun. That one of those rules is have sex. That is one of God's laws. It was don't touch, don't eat from the tree of knowledge, just don't touch it. And go procreate and, you know, fill the earth with people like you. So effectively, one of them is have sex, right? God gave two laws. Man in its infinite wisdom, in this case, Adam and Eve, was not happy with those two rules. And decided, you know what, it'd be fun. Let's eat from the tree of knowledge. And then they found out they were naked. 
The reason I start there is because, one, it's an arbitrary point in time. It goes back to the very beginning. It goes back to the very beginning because what you see right now is everyone wants to focus on left versus right and liberal versus conservative and Democrat versus Republican. The oldest war, and to be truthful, not to get you down or to upset you, this real law and this war will never be won. What you're fighting for is a, an eternal law that is principled, that is true, versus the law of man, which can change on a dime. That is the battle we are finding ourselves in. And the reason it's important to go back to that and explain that is the big battle, because let's fast forward from my religious and, and Christian overtones to actually world history, that whether you're, you know, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a deist, whether you're a Buddhist, generally we all agree on this type of history. Man has seeked to control man for the longest period of time. It didn't matter whether it was true a theocracy and religion, whether it was the high, the, the chief priests, whether it was a king or a queen, whether it was true a dictator, whether it was true any other um, type of government. Man has seeked to control man. You look through all history, you look from where I started, you know, Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden, and then you fast forward all the way through, you know, the Roman Empire, all the way through Greece, through you know different uh, parts of Europe, and as Europe has started to expand, you look through Asia. All of it was control. Man was not meant to be free. Man was seek to be coerced. Man was seek to be to be molded in the shape that we want to mold them in. You were not free to pursue your 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 happiness. You were not free to do as you wanted, even if it was wrong. You were not free to do so. Fast forward. Although through that history of man to 1776 and 13 colonies in what we now know as the United States of America. That evil slave owner, that evil man Thomas Jefferson that we're supposed to hate and despise and we want to destroy and ruin. Said certain things in the Declaration of Independence which are critical. Things that we overlook today. The original writing of the Declaration of Independence is different to what you know today, to what is taught in schools today. We all, everyone, whether you're, regardless of who you voted for in the last election, or even if you didn't vote, can rattle off the lines and all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights and among those life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The original writing of that was not pursuit of happiness. The original writing of that was life, liberty, and property. Now, before people start going on and say, well, that's John, of course, you know, of course, those, those evil slave owners, they wanted property, they wanted all the slaves. Well, there's a reason they changed it, because they were anti-slavery. That's the reason they actually changed it. But property today, we all think in modern day language. Property means land. That's if, if I say to go down the street and say, give me, give me a definition of property, they go, sure, my house is my property. Mm-hmm. Can you give me some other examples? My land, my car, my iPod, my iPhone is my property. My books are my property. We would all think of something that we can touch, tangible. But property means so much more. Property means you as a person, your intellectual property, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. You have a right to them. 
You cannot be told or coerced or bended or shaped or molded into a way of you think a certain way or you are the problem. No, you have a right to think it. Even if you are wrong, you are you, you are an individual. You have a right to be angry. You have a right to be happy. You have a right to be not like someone or you have a right to love someone. They're your emotions. If I sat sat right in front of you and said, you know what, you, yes you, you listen, you have to love me or you have to hate me. Can you just switch? Is that something that you can do by just going to switch? Oh, well, I have to love John. I have to love him. No, it doesn't work that way. You have a right to your feelings and your emotions. Hell, you have a right to your conscience. We know this because then after 1776, when they got around to writing the Constitution, and then they got around to further after, four years after the Constitution was passed in 1787, in 1791 they ratified the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment. What does the First Amendment say? You have a right. You have five rights in the First Amendment. You have a right to freedom of the press. Everyone loves talking about the freedom of the press. We'll come back to that in a second. But the free speech, you have a right to free speech. What is that saying? That is further cementing what I just spoke about in the Declaration of Independence. You are a free person. You have a right to free speech. No one has a right to tell you to shut up. No one has a right to tell you, you're wrong, sit down, we don't want to hear from you. The only speech that needs to be defended is the most vilest, horrible speech in the world. If I was saying stuff that was popular, no one's ever going to say, well, does he have a right to say that? If everyone loves what I say, no one needs to defend it. What we need to defend is speech that we find disgusting, and I've done this in this show, to much of your annoyance at times. But it's saying I have a fundamental right from nature's law, whether you believe it's nature's God, whether it's it's not the Christian God, it's not the Jewish God, or the Muslim Allah, or the Buddhist God, or anything. It's a nature's God. It is saying you have a right to free speech. I have a right to my thoughts, and I have a right to verbalize my thoughts, even if they you don't like them. Even if it annoys you, you have your right to be annoyed and upset at me. I have my right to verbalize my thoughts. What else is in the First Amendment? What other right is in the First Amendment? You have a right to freedom of association. You have a right to be around who you want to be around. You have the right to freedom of associate with anyone that you see fit, even if I don't like them. Even if I see you hanging around with people who I don't like, you know, uh, Democrats. I don't, I don't like Democratic politicians. But if you want to hang around with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, you have that right. I do not have the right to say, no, you cannot do us. No, you cannot do us. Why do I not have that right? Why do I not have the right to tell you who you can associate with? And why do I not have a right to control your speech? Before we get to the other amendments in the, in the, or the rights under the First Amendment, let's go back to the Declaration of Independence. It was one simple phrasing before Thomas Jefferson said, you have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It was a fundamental saying that changed the world, but it's a saying the world has never got. It is never truly embraced, and even to this day still does not truly embrace. It's a revolutionary thought. It is that idea that all men are created equal. 
If you truly believe all men are created equal, then how can I as one man tell you as another man, even though we're created equal, you have to say this, you have to think this, you have to act this way. I have to shape and mold you to my way of thinking because my way of thinking is right. Yours is wrong. If we're fundamentally created equal, where do I get that power? Where do I get that right? Where do I get that responsibility that says I can control you? Where do I get that from? Where do the society get that from? Do I get that from the ballot box that 60% of the people voted for me or 51% of the people voted for me? Therefore, I get a special power to shape and mold you and tell you what is politically correct and the way you have to think, the way you have to act and how you have to act and when you have to say it. But let's go back to the First Amendment because we discuss speech and association. You have a right to freedom of religion. Now, I know everyone loves to make this in modern-day language about, well, that's that's for all you Christians. No, that's for everyone. This idea that the freedom of religion is just for Christians because, well, you know, you you all love to say, you people like John, you, John, you love to say that the founders are all Christians and, and, well, they're really deists, but, you know, you want to say it's Christians. That's what freedom of religion is. No, it's not. Freedom of religion is freedom from being forced to act through religion. Your founders and people who were pre-before them escaped England, where it was king and you had to be part of one state religion. In some ways, England was a theocracy, not really, but in some ways it was, where you had to act a certain way, where the king was God, where they wrote their own version of their Bible where they prosecuted and killed people like Tyndale, where he was like, so you're saying you're the king and you're appointed by God, where the, you're saying the church is your God's representative. I want to publish, publish Jesus' words and the gospel and the, the Bible and to actually read it for myself, to be free thinking, and they killed him. That is what they escaped. They did not want state religion. They feared it. They did not want the state of America, the colonies, the revolution they fought for to come along and say, you must be a Christian. You must be a Catholic. You must be a Protestant. You must be a Baptist. You must be a Mormon. No, you have a right to freedom of religion. That means you have a right. Yeah, If you want to be a Catholic, good for you. Go be a Catholic. You want to be a Protestant, be a Protestant. If you want to be an atheist, go be an atheist because you have a fundamental right under nature's law to be free from religion if you choose, if that is your path. But you also have the freedom of religion. If you think, if you all of a sudden are hit by lightning, per se, and this big cloud comes to you and goes, hi, I'm this piece of rock and this rock is talking to me and telling me I want you to be my representative and I want you to worship me because I give you your powers and you want to set up that religion and you want to go share the world. Hey, this rock spoke to me. It says I'm their God and I have to worship. Will you come worship this stone with me? And people decide of their free will and their free, you know, ideas and said, that's a great idea. I want to worship this rock, that, this rock. I feel it. The rock is speaking to me. It's saying, come worship me. I created the world. I'm part of the asteroid that hit the earth that helped form the earth as you know it today. I'm your God. And if people want to choose that, they have that. Now, of course, I'm been, I, I'm trying to come up with the most sarcastic example that I can. But that is what freedom of religion is. You have a right to free speech. You have a right to free association. You have a right 
to freedom of religion. You have a right to petition your government. You have a right to say, I don't like the way you're doing things. You have a right to stand there and say, I am not happy with what you are doing. That doesn't mean, that doesn't automatically mean one, one, one side of the argument. You have a right to petition your government and go, you know what? You're not spending enough on healthcare. You're not spending enough on Medicare. You need to tax the rich more. You have a right to petition your government to say, I want more. You also have a right to petition your government to go, hey, you know, dummy, I believe in the Constitution. You have 18 clauses in Article 1 that says this is what the federal government can do. You're way overreaching, even under this president and even under this Congress, which is ruled by the Republican Party. You're still violating the Constitution on a daily basis. Hey, dummy, start following it. Start following the Constitution. Start taking your oath. You have a right to petition your government to say that. Why? Because you have a right of freedom of conscience. You have a right to your property, your intellectual property, your thoughts and your emotions. And they don't always have to be rational. They can go against world history. It's not that you have a right to freedom of thought if you think the right thing or say the right thing or do the right thing. No, you have a right even if you are wrong. Which brings me to the last right in the First Amendment. The freedom of the press Everyone loves to think that the press is just, you know, ABC or CNN or Fox News or the New York Times. In effect, the freedom of the press is just continuing on the freedom of speech. It's just highlighting that the press are key in members of society. But today you can be anybody you can be in the press. You're in the press in Facebook, on Twitter. I'm in the press technically. You know, you can make an argument. I do this podcast for the blaze. I'm here speaking to you for an hour to 90 minutes every week. I'm not, I don't class myself as the press. I never want to have anything to do with what people call the press. But you can make an argument, I'm that. I'm part of it. If you're sharing an opinion, you could make the argument of that you're part of the press. It's just continuing on what they said in the Declaration of Independence and the First Amendment. And the Bill of Rights. I have a right to free speech, even if I am saying stuff you don't like. Even if I am saying stuff that you don't like and that you think is a lie, I have that right to say it. Why did I start the show off by going through this fundamental right, this history of the world, and pointing out why America is exceptional? Two reasons. One, I need to do a better job of highlighting why you're exceptional. I'm that is my responsibility why you are different I am going to do my best every week and every way I can to highlight why you are different why you're exceptional why the idea of America where is worth fighting for and why the world needs that idea now more than ever even in America but two Because when we come back from this break, I want to share some stories, some good and some bad, of what happened in your country this week that all revolve into what I just spoke about. Do I have a right to be wrong? Do I have a right to my conscience? Do I have a right to act a certain way, even if you don't like us? Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.
Pat Gray. No party preference at all, 25.5. Republicans, 25.1. And and it's because they have no spine. Mm -hmm. They have no center. There's no core to the Republican Party. They don't care about anything except winning. And if that's all you care about, you're not going to win. You have to stand for something. Or you'll fall for everything. There you go, yeah. 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 Write that down. Pat Gray. Weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, this show is on every major platform. It's on SoundCloud, it's on iTunes, it's on iHeartRadio, it's on Google Play, it's on Stitcher, it's on Omni FM, and it's now on CastBox as well. So we release a new show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, so please consider to share it with your family and your friends. We're, we're growing, we're hitting new numbers, and I really appreciate your support each and every week, and I love engaging with you. So why did I start by talking to you about world history, about the law of man versus the law of nature, and about you know freedom of speech and freedom of association? Because I was trying to make lay the groundwork for what I want to talk to you about today. You have a right to your conscience, even if you someone else disagrees with it, and you cannot be shaped or molded. I want to share some things, some really frustrating things that happened this week, but also some really good rulings that came from the Supreme Court this week, which are underlying what I was just talking about. First, the bad stuff. Let's get the bad stuff out of the way. Red Hen. Sarah Saunders. In case you've been living under a rock, apparently last weekend, Sarah Saunders, which is the, who works for Donald Trump, she's the press secretary. She meets the press on a daily basis, which, you know, I, I'm not a, I, I'm not, I don't class myself as a fan or not a fan of this administration or, or of, you know, people like Sarah Sanders. I, I, they're just there, but God bless her heart, because I don't know how she does it. I, could, I couldn't do it. I, I would lose my ever-loving mind as the press secretary, which maybe that'd be a way to solve the debt. Maybe, you know, have me as press secretary. I just, <laughs> I, I, I just, I. I wouldn't be able for it. I, I just cannot stomach this media. But she decided, you know, I'm out with some girlfriends and having some fun and went to Red Hen and decided to, you know, I don't, I've never been in Red Hen. I don't even know what the brand is. I'm, I know it's food, but whatever it is. And they went and had appetizers and apparently then some staff members told the boss that, you know, hey, Sarah Sanders is here. And, you know, she apparently got by all reports the the owner came and asked to speak to her privately and, you know, said, look, you know, I have to make a stand for my conscience. I don't want to you in my restaurant, and I would ask you to politely leave. And according to all reports, Sarah Standard asked, you know, responded very gracefully. She didn't make it seen. She she didn't have a protester riot. You know, even offered to pay for her appetizers, which you know, very graciously by the owner who just asked her to leave. Said, no, no, they're on us, and they left. And the internet went crazy. People went absolutely berserk. People went on on social media and started sharing this. Started, you know, sharing their talking points and their view of it and their stance and their opinion on it. And then because it's what we do, 
you know everyone does today we so many people rush to the website to you know if they loved her sarah sanders been kicked out they gave it a five-star review if they hated this decision they left it a one-star review what frustrates me about this is a couple of things one is is it's only a couple of weeks since the supreme court ruled on the you know the whole gay wedding cake and we have flip sides so the left is now, yeah, go get her. You have a right to freedom of conscience. You go, girl. You should have kicked her out. I would have kicked her out too. Yet two weeks ago, they were saying, you bake the cake. Do your damn job. Just bake the cake. Screw your religious beliefs. This, I don't know. Girl, you're my hero. I love you. Freedom. The rice. Two weeks ago, when the Supreme Court was ruling about the gay wedding cake, yeah, of course you do. You have a right to freedom of conscience. You shouldn't have to bake the cake. If it goes against your will, don't bake the cake. You have a right to freedom of religion. You cannot force people to do something they don't want to do. And they're now, how dare, oh my God, how can you tow out Sarah Sanders? This is totally unacceptable. I'm outraged. <laughs> I, I I can't take it. Why is America exceptional? You're exceptional because whether you believe in nature's law or not, that's what the founders call it, nature's law and nature's God. Certain things are consistent. They stay the same regardless of who holds power. Regardless of who is in power. Regardless of what time we live in. These are eternal principles. They are true in at the time of Christ. They were time in, true in 1700. They're true today. And in 200 or 300 or 400, heck, in 5000 AD, if this world ever survives to that, which is a scary thought, you have a right. Those principles will still be there. You have a right to freedom. I cannot coerce you. Even if I disagree with you and think you are 100% wrong, I do not have a right to tell you how to act. Is there anyone, I know there are some who you are listening, is there anyone but outside of this who is consistent, who is either angry at the gay wedding cake and angry at Sarah Sanders being kicked out, or is like, I have no problem with either one of them. I have no problem with either one of them. If If a person does not want to bake a wedding cake, they shouldn't be forced to. Likewise, for Sarah Sanders, if I don't, if I own a restaurant and I have a right and I own it and I don't want to serve Sarah Sanders for whatever reason I choose, heck, she could, I could have I could have seen the dress she was wearing and kind of go, that, that honey, that dress ain't working for you. I'm sorry, get out. I could, that could be that stupid of a reason. Or you came into me and you didn't smile and say hi. You were rude. Get out. I have the right. What you're saying effectively is you do not have a right to your opinion. You do not have a right to your thoughts. You do not have a right to your emotions. You do not have a right to your speech. And I have a right to your labor. That is what you are saying. If you support either of those stories, saying that you should have baked the wedding cake or you should have served Sarah Sanders. Now, full disclosure, I used to work in the service industry a long time ago. I was a trainee manager in a in a hotel i live in ireland i've served i doubt i've i've served food to a lot of people i've done catering for events in the local church i would guess 
haven't I haven't checked the the opinions and their thoughts on a lot of issues, but I would guess in Ireland I've served a lot of people. I don't think I've ever served one person who I truly agreed with on even seventy five percent of the things. Because I see the world different to Irish people. I see religion different to Catholics. You know, I I don't see the Pope as a holy father. I see the Pope as a man. That that right there excludes me from ninety percent of Catholics. I've served them anyway. Do I have a right to serve not serve them? Sure. You don't have a right to my labor. Full disclosure, though. Is it healthy for a business? I again, I've in other jobs, I've worked as a sales manager. I've managed sales teams. Is it smart to do what they did? No. Unless it's some conscience reason for, like, you know, a gay wedding cake or, you know, the KKK or, or some, some really serious thing. Then, okay, go for it. But is it smart to alienate 50% of your customers, especially in this hyper-partisan world that we live in where you know you doing this is going to get you a lot of agitation? No, it isn't. Just serve the food. Just have a place where everyone is welcome. Can you imagine? I actually think this place would do very well because everyone has an agenda. You know what? We serve the best food. Let's just take a, a, you know, I love Texas, so let's just use a Texas. I serve the best barbecue. You come into my place of business, I'll gu- I guarantee you, you'll have the best barbecue sauce, you'll have the best brisket, you'll have the best turkey. You know, you'll have the best accompaniments, whether it's a bit of slaw on the side, whether it's, you know, those lovely hot, you know, little soft rolls, whether it's, you know, waffle fries, whether it's, you know, Orsi Cola. I'll give you the best service. I'll smile with you. I don't care who you voted for. You could vote for Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump. Heck, you could have even voted for Roseanne. I don't care. You could be black, you could be be Asian. You could be the color of the rainbow. Don't care. You come into my place, you're going to have the best food, the best experience, and we're going to do everything we can to make you happy. Imagine how that would work. Imagine how that would work in the world. I don't know whether it would work today or not, but I think it would work really good. I don't care. Leave your politics at the door. Come in here. Have fun. Have great food. Interact with our people. Have fun with each other. Leave. And then you can, when you leave, your politics will be right there at the door for you. You can collect them on the way out. Consistency matters. Conscience matters. Which gives me, let's, we've dealt with the bad news, let's actually deal with some good news, because the Supreme Court ruled on a couple of cases this week, and some of them are really big wins for conscience, for freedom. Now, the sad thing is, they were only 5-4 rulings, but a 5-4 ruling in your favour is still a 5-4 ruling in your favour. The first one was a case that was based out of California that was in the Supreme Court, which affects pro-lifers, and everyone's focusing in on the pro-life angle of it, but it's actually a freedom win. If you believe life is precious... Has disclosure, I do. And you're like, you know, we want to have these centers, pregnancy crisis centers. I don't have to display ads and information about abortion. In California, there was laws that said you did. The idea that I own this building or I work in this building, and you're saying to me as government, even though we're all created equal, even though I have my right to my thoughts and my opinions, even if the government does not like them, You cannot come in to me and say, you have to say something. You have to display this information. You have to give them a choice. The Supreme Court said, you're right. You don't have to do that. You can run your business and or your, in this case, a, you know, agency or nonprofit, how you choose. Amen. Now, the sad thing is four people, four sitting justices said, nah, you know what? Yeah, the government can't tell you how to work. 
and and what you have to do. But let's not let's not focus on the negative. Let's focus in on the positive. That was a big ruling, and that's a, it, if you're a pro life issue, if you're a pro lifer, that's a huge win for you. If you just believe in freedom, even if you let me speak to the people who listen to this show, all one of you who's maybe pro choice, this should be a win for you. You you shouldn't be forced to. You know, if you're offering a service, you should not be forced to tell you how you can operate. It's a win for freedom. And after all, you are a pro-choice. You're pro-choice, right? That means you're pro-freedom. Not, not not telling, having the government tell you what you can and can't do with your body. You know, so it, me having to display posters is telling me what I have to do with my body, right? And you're against that, right? The other ruling that came from the Supreme Court this week, there was obviously the travel ban, which everyone's discussed at length. But the other big win um, about for freedom of conscience was the union um, case, which was Yanis versus the AFSCME. Public unions don't have a constitutional right to force employees to pay their fair share, to pay their, what do they call them, the fair share fees or agency fees. You know, I'm doing the inverted commas with my fingers. You do not have a right. I have a right to freedom of association. I have a right to decide who I associate with. If I work in a government job, you cannot tell me my constitutional right to freedom of association does not leave me at the door to say, you have to join this union and you have to pay them part of your hard-earned money. No, I don't. I don't want to. But, 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 But you have to. No, I don't. You don't have to do anything. You should have freedom of association. Now, if you want to sign up to this union, go for it. If you don't, don't. You have a right to your conscience, even if everyone thinks it's wrong. Because here's the important thing that you need to understand about freedom. Picture yourself as me living in Ireland. I have those the rights because they come from nature, from my God. If everyone in Ireland, which pretty much is about 99% of the people, I have met very few people who are even sympathetic to my worldview. I've met a couple who share some of my views. So I don't want to paint it as a total picture. But even to the people who that share my views, I would probably, to them, would be like, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's way further than I am on these issues. But the idea of how important freedom is, and I'm using me as an example, is because of the country I live in. 99% of Irish people believe in some type of socialism. They might believe in the the democratic socialism. They might believe in the nationalist socialism. They might believe in the capitalist socialism because there is a capitalist socialism where it's like we believe in, you know, all these strong services, but we believe, you know, businesses should come in because we need the taxes. Or they might believe in, you know, radical socialism, which verses verges right on communism slash Marxism. We have all the socialists, the left-right divide in America, in Ireland, sorry. They all believe in government. Do I have a right, even though everyone in my country would say, would not share my views, do I have a right to those views? Or should I be forced to think the way they do? When you were thinking about what's happening in America today, just ask yourself that question. Should John, who lives in Ireland, be forced to think the way Irish people think? To have the Irish mantra? To think the way they do. That I should be a Catholic. Because, what, 60-70% of the people are Catholic. I should be forced to be a Catholic. 
No, I have a right to freedom of association and freedom of religion. Not under the constitution. I don't have a constitutional right to it, but do I have that freedom? Should I have that freedom? Should I be forced to, to vote for a candidate even though I don't agree with them? No. But should I? Should I have a right to say what I say? Should I be the should I have the right or can I have the right to say no I have a right to freedom of speech I have a right to freedom of property which is my thoughts which is my emotions which are my feelings which is the way I think do I have that right I don't have that constitutional right because that's America's constitution but do should I have that right These are questions we need to ask ourselves and be consistent on them because when you just talk about the news of the day you're talking about man's law and man's law ever changes you can be, the man. a perfect example of the man's law is the gay wedding cake and Sarah Sanders story. Man's law changes. Because man's law will always be about my side. Well, what suits my agenda today? And here's the thing. It might suit my agenda today on Saturday the 30th of June. But I also, you know, have the right to change my mind if, you know, on the on the 30th of June 2019, it doesn't suit my agenda to no longer be against the wedding cake. It might be in my, in my best interest to be against it or be for it or be in, have a totally different opinion. There is no consistency. And then I might change my opinion in 2020. There is no consistency with man's law. Absolutely none. Whereas your founders, whether you agree with what they said were consistent when they spoke about nature's law and nature's God, or if you have some other version, but they are consistent, they are tried, tested, and true, and they will be the same, regardless of whether it suits you or hurts you. Because those are the principles that it's hard. It's easy to be for principles, whether you're left, right, Republican, conservative, liberal, or Democrat. It's easy to be for a principle when it's a, the, the outcome is good. Hey, I'm for that principle. The outcome suits me. It helps me win an election. It's really hard to be for that principle. It's like speech. It's really hard to be for that principle when it hurts you personally. It's hard to be consistent when you're going to get screwed. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the Supreme Court's big news this week with Anthony Kennedy resigning and what that means about abortion because there's lies on both sides. Don't go anywhere, America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The Morning Blaze with Doc. How many millions of dollars do you have? Uh, zero. You have zero millions. And that's carrying the zero. Okay. How okay, now I, let me think. I have to do the, and if I carry, and then I do the Do the cosine, math right. Uh, zero million. Corby, Corby how, how, many, how millions many millions do you, do you have? have? Do you have four or five millions? Is? I have all the millions. He has all the millions. <laughs> all the millions? The Morning Blaze. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm on social media. I'm not hard to find. I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple. On Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 Drop me a message. Drop me a comment. Tell me, tell me if you like the show. Tell me if you dislike the show. 
you know, our general, you know, you want to have a discussion. I'm, I love having private conversations and public conversations with you about issues. It's, it's one of my highlights. Even when we disagree, I'm not here to tell you how to think. I'm here to teach, try and teach you how to think. The aim of this show is never to get you to think the way I do. The world has one Jonathan Dunn. That's plenty. Trust me. We've hit our quota of Jonathan Dunn's of the world. We have one, that's more than enough. And I could understand an argument saying there's one is too many. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I, I, I actually would love to hear that argument because I might side one is too many. But my aim is to get you how to think and think for yourself, even if it fundamentally is disagreement with me. One of the frustrating things that I find is I get that a lot of people are frustrated with me at times, especially when it becomes about politics. I'm here to talk to you about principles. I'm not here to be a cheerleader. I'm not here to play the games that Republicans and Democrats play. Because the truth is, the best analogy I ever heard about your politics, which I think is true, is it's like a WWE match, where you have the Democrats playing to the crowd, you know, and you can, if you depend on your Democrat or Republican, you can change this analogy to suit you to make your side the good guy. But you have the Democrats, you know, playing to the, the heel. They, they, they want to get the boo of the crowd. They, they want to, you know, antagonize the crowd. They want to get you to hate them. They want you to get them emotionally invested in you hating them. And then the Republican is the good guy, the hero, you know, the, 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 the cheeky American smile, you know, the, the crystal white teeth. And I'm your good guy and I want you to cheer for me. And they have a WWE match where, you know, at different points there are spots and, you know, the antagonist gets the head and everyone's like, boo. And then they, the good guy fights back and overcomes all the adversity. And, you know, there'll probably be a low blow and, you know, a bit of out, outside the ring shenanigans. But, you know, the good guy wins in the end. But then they all go back to backstage. And after getting all the crowd riled up and, you know, yay and cheers and boos, they all sit down at the back and have a, you know, beer together. Because it's all one big story, all one big drama. In many ways, I think this is true. I think it's a perfect analogy. Because if you just focus in on what the politicians and the media say, you'll get caught up in the the outrages of the day. And you'll believe narratives, even if the narratives are a lie. Right now, in your country, in your media, on both sides, a lie, a falsehood, has been perpetrated on the American people. And it's been perpetrated for two reasons. One, it's to get you angry. And two, it's to get your money. What is that lie? That lie quite simply is, and it's been going on for as long as I've been part of your politics, that if you get a Supreme Court which leans conservative, and dare I say it leans pro-life, that actually understood, you know, when Jefferson wrote, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were key tenets of your founding, that life was precious, that if they ever got that justice and that score tipping that favor, that abortion would be made illegal in America. You have conservatives and more Republicans running around going, we need a conservative justice, we need, a, you know, we need to get the court to roll, return and overturn Roe v. Wade, and abortion ends instantly. You have everyone on the left going, we can't have this. You have Rachel Maddow on our show going, you know, because she's over her crying from last week of, you know, the situation at the border. We're on to a new outrage this week, and it's Justice Kennedy. You know, just, you know, the border's dead. 
we have her saying we have to, you know, we have to stop this at any cost. If you believe in abortion rights, because, you know, abortion is what it's all about, right? That's an issue you can be proud of. We have to fight against this. Because if they get, if Trump gets his nominee of that list of 25 and gets him, you know, that justice there, they'll overturn Roe v. Wade and then abortion's illegal. Wrong. Lie. If I may quote your president, that is fake news. If you've heard that this week, I always say question with boldness everyone. Me, Glenn, everyone at The Blaze, everyone at The Daily Wire, everyone at Fox News, everyone at MSNBC. Take no one's word for it. And I will definitely say this. Anyone who says you can trust me, don't do your own homework, just listen to me. They're the very people you definitely need to trust. You should question everyone because that is a lie. It is a myth that has grown legs on both sides of the argument. Because it's easy. Here's the truth. Let's say, for example, Donald Trump nominates one of his 25 and they actually are pro-life and, you know, they don't do a, what a lot of Supreme Court justices have done in the past, you know, not done a Kennedy and not done a Roberts, you know, where he's going to vote, he's voting for this because he's got a new plan. He's got a way to save us. Let's say you get him and you get him past the Senate, ever who they are ever who Donald Trump nominates. And let's say they're sitting on the court and all of a sudden a case comes before them and they decide to listen to it because they don't have to listen to it. There is a chance that, you know, you could bring a case to overturn Roe v. Wade to the Supreme Court and they just go, I'm just not listening to that case. Now, because that's such high publicity, the chances of that happening are probably very small, but it is possible. The Supreme Court does not listen to every case that it's brought brought before it. It picks and chooses the cases. But let's say, for argument's sake, you have, the, you have a conservative justice who believes in pro-life. They're, they've surpassed the Senate. They're sitting on the SCOTUS. They're now an associate justice. And the case comes before them and they decide to listen to it. The arguments still have to be made. Because you're in a legal system right now where you don't talk about the Constitution. I don't know if you've ever read or listened to some of the arguments in the Supreme Court. They're very rarely about the Constitution. They're very rarely about the Constitution. It's all about case law and precedent. That's all it's about. What some other justice said or how the court ruled in the past. On a side note, before I continue about abortion and about Roe v. Wade and the truth about it. You know, I've had some fun this week because I had a really bad week. And when I'm having bad weeks, I try and be funny and just didn't make myself laugh. I was like, I did up a picture and a meme on social media. I'd love to be the justice. Pick me, Mr. Trump. I'd have a field day. I would, you know, even just to get to the hearings, and even if I got failed my nomination and he had to pick someone else, I would love to sit in the Senate because I guarantee you I would say more truth about the Constitution of the United States than anyone who Trump will nominate. And that's not a slam on Donald Trump. That is a slam on what you have in the legal system. I would love to see a, a justice who is going for the Supreme Court going, and what do you think about this case? I don't care. I care about the Constitution. When I make my rulings, they will be based solely on the Constitution of the United States, what the founders said, what the founders intended, and not on what some Supreme Court justice said 100 or 200 years later in his dissent or in his approval of a case. I don't care about case law. Will I read it? Yes. Will I read precedent? Yes. But where will my emphasis be on my rulings? On the Constitution of the United States. Because that is my oath. 
if I ever got to take one, to, to preserve, defend, and protect the Constitution of the United States. I don't take a note to preserve, defend, and protect the precedent and the case law that is defended and argued before the Supreme Court. I defend the Constitution and its writing. How many people do you think, if you've got the most conservative justice in there, the most libertarian justice, the most constitutional, how many think would actually have the balls to say that in front of that Senate? How many people do you know who would say that? That's the truth of the matter about how you look at the Supreme Court right now. Do you know what else someone like me would say? I would stay in front of them in that Senate hearing that Marbury versus Madison, and if you don't know about this ruling, you need to understand it, was a pivotal day for the wrong reasons in America. Where it made nine justices, nine men and women who happened to wear black robes, the moral arbiters of the Constitution, and whether something is constitutional or not, I would remind them, those senators, and then I would urge them to remind their colleagues in the House and their president, whether it's Donald Trump or ever who the next president is, you have as equal amount of responsibility to preserve, defend, and protect the Constitution that I would have as an associate justice on the Supreme Court. I am not the moral arbiter of society or of what's constitutional. We all have a role to play, and I would remind them at each and every opportunity, you have that. You place your hand on a Bible, sir or madam. You place your hand on a Quran, sir or madam. You have a right and responsibility to pro- promote laws, whether you're in the legislative to propose them, or whether you're in the executive to sign them, laws that are constitutional. And if they are not, you have a duty and a responsibility to vote against them, even if it works for your party, even if it is proposed by your party. How many people will say that? How many people do you think would have the gall and the audacity to say that? That's what I would say. Can you imagine Can you imagine the ratings from my hearings if I ever did get nominated for the Supreme Court? Because you don't have to be an American, by the way. But that's just a sidebar, because that was just for a bit of fun. That's, that's the world we live in. Back to Roe versus, Roe versus Wade. Because, again, this would probably come up in the hearings, and it probably will, by all sides, because it's going to be, abortion's going to be the big thing you're all going to be discussing. Roe versus Wade, let's say we go through the scenario where Donald Trump nominates someone, they get past the Senate. They get sitting on the court, a case is brought before them to overturn it, they decide to listen to it and they decide to go, you know what, they're right, the case, people who made the case and the argument, they made great arguments, we're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. Spoiler alert, for both my friends on the left and the right, that does not make abortion illegal. This is a lie. Overturning Roe versus Wade, do you know what that does? It turns, what's that word that America practiced? What's that word the founders talked about? They, they had papers. Oh, yes, it returns America to federalism. Where the power is in the state. Now, if you think, if that's just, let me, let me focus on my friends on the left for a minute, if I, if I may. Are you really that stupid, that delusional to think abortion's illegal if it returns to the states? As I can, off my top of my hand, let's just go through them. Roe versus Wade is overturned and it bows back to the states. Name the states that would still practice abortion and I practice it proudly. Let's go through them, shall we? Hmm. California, yeah. New York, yeah. Massachusetts, yeah. Vermont, yeah. Illinois, yeah. 
They're the ones that would practice it proudly. They would put banners. They would put flags in the ground and go, we give abortions. And there's probably plenty of others. There's plenty of other states that would. You know, Colorado. I can think of a couple of states that you probably wouldn't be able to get an abortion in. I would... I don't know enough about the internal politics. I'm, play, I'm guessing places like Texas and Utah would say no. But this is the myth, the lie. Why is it perpetrated by both sides? Because... Let me be blunt, blunt, and I'm going to annoy everyone with this. The left use it as an issue to get power and money. Because everything else they have done under this president has failed. They have never got their gotcha moment. They've never got a point. They thought they've had, but for whatever reason, nothing sticks to this president. Because for many reasons, because of who he is and other reasons, because the media have no credibility. It's outrage after outrage. Each week is a new outrage. Even people like me, who and I'm hardly the biggest Donald Trump supporter, turn in each Monday kind of go, I wonder what the outrage is going to be this week. What are y'all going to talk about? I don't have to wait very long because something usually pops up on Twitter and everyone goes crazy, but it's a new issue every week and sometimes it doesn't even last a week. We've had weeks with multiple issues. Last week it was the, the internment camps, the border. This week it's Justice Kennedy. What will it be next week? I don't know. It'll be something new though. They like the power and money. To my friends on the right, they also like the power and money. They, you know, this is why you need a Republican Senate, John. This is why the, the Republicans must win. I know the GOP are not great. I know they don't stand for anything. I know Mitch McConnell. I agree with you when you say he's a disaster as leader of the Senate. But this is why you always must vote Republican. Because if you get a point where you can get a conservative justice, it is all worth it. It is worth it in the end to get that conservative justice so we can overturn Roe versus Wade and you have all the fundraising, all the money it gets. But also, here's the other thing. And this is where I'm going to annoy even more people in the pro-life movement. The truth about the pro-life movement is... The truth is we have not made the argument the way we should have. This idea that, you know, well, if we just overturn, if we just get that conservative justice, quote unquote, and overturn Roe versus Wade, it makes it, makes it legal. It's easy to picture. It's easy to, to do in a, in a simple sense. The much harder story is, well, we got to win the argument on the ground. Because here's the thing, you know, as you can think of guns, you can think of drugs, you can think of alcohol and germ prohibition. Just because even if it was true, let's say, you know, the narrative was true on the right. It's not. It's a lie. But let's say the narrative was true on the right, that, you know, we overturned Roe versus Wade and it's made illegal. The idea that you think that stops abortion, I'm sorry, is lunacy to me. Since when have people who want a certain service, whether you like it or not, if you don't win the argument for life and you don't win the argument for that is a baby and that baby has rights and that it should be given every opportunity to have a full, meaningful life and not be ripped from the womb... If you believe that and you don't make that argument, people will look for abortions elsewhere. But they will also have people who will take advantage of those people. That they will be put into places where don't have, you know, should we say, registered doctors. You'll put people at risk. Maybe gangs get into abortion. Maybe bad people get into abortion. And then they, they do what they do on the border with illegal crossings where, hey, I'll give you your abortion. Sure, I'll organize it for you. 
It'll cost you a lot of money, but you'll also owe me something. And it might be six months, it might be a year, but you'll owe me something. This is what happens when you make things illegal and you don't win the arguments. Now, in case anyone's heard this and kind of go, are you saying abortion shouldn't be legal? It should be, you know, it should be legal in some cases. No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is you need to make the argument. The argument has been won for the last 20 years by pro-choice movement. Despite all the facts, you take poll after poll after poll in America of Pew Research, Barna polls, where they go, after 12 weeks, this is an arbitrary point in abortion. I never got this. So a lot of people, it's 12 or 16 weeks, they take different polls of vehemently Americans fundamentally opposed across party lines. After a certain point, abortion should be illegal. Okay? How can we make the, we never make the argument about this. So let's take it 16 weeks. So you're pregnant and your baby in the womb is 15 weeks, 6 days, 23 hours, 59 minutes old. Yeah, that's totally fine. You can have an abortion. Yeah, it's under 16 weeks. You get to 16 weeks, 0 days, 0 hours, 0 minutes and 0 seconds and now that baby all of a sudden has rights. This is the myth we've fallen for in, in society today. That one split second, you go from having no rights and then been a choice to been wrong and murder. If we truly want to eradicate abortion from society, we need to start making the argument of why life is precious. We need to start acting about why life is precious. And we must be doing everything in a kind and loving way, not a demeaning, not an insulting way, but a kind and loving way of why life is worth it, why life is precious. And it's not a racist argument or any other argument. It is an argument that is based on nature. All life is precious. All life has meaning. And we will stand for that life at every opportunity. We will make the argument at every opportunity, but we will also live lives that we have credibility that says, not only do we say life has meaning, but we will act like life has meaning, that life is precious, regardless of where you are from. That is the truth. So if you hear people on either side of the aisle telling you that this justice, if they get appointed, will overturn Roe versus Wade and abortion will be illegal, question me. Find it and say that's a wrong. That is a lie. It just goes back to the states. And that your politicians and your media are using you to get more power, to get more money, and to get you angry and to get all angry on social media. Don't believe it. We got to take one last quick break, America. When we come back, we're going to delve into foreign policy because a lot of things happened this week which you need to know. And I haven't heard a lot of this been reported in many places. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple. With Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Disciple on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. If you happen to live listen to this show on a platform like iTunes or Castbox, if you'd consider leaving us a rating and review, and that helps us with our, you know, it gets up the, the listings more, and we really appreciate your support. 
I want to finish off today's show by talking to you about foreign policy because a lot of stuff happened this week that needs to be discussed. And I want to start with North Korea. There's a couple of stories I want to share with you that I don't think got a lot of coverage in the media this week, especially in America. And before I... Let's get this out of the way. This is not anti-Trump. This is nothing to do with Donald Trump whatsoever. This does not reflect poorly on him. This is just a fact. If you've listened to this show for a long time... I've been very skeptical of the North Korea deal and the the summit. I even did a show a couple of weeks ago where I said the summit was not a victory. It's a positive step, yes, but it's not a victory. And I urged the people supporting him and, and Donald Trump in the administration to question with boldness and trust but verify. Because you're dealing with a bad, bad actor. Let me share two stories with you, even which happened this week after the summit that shows how this guy is such a bad guy. The first story is, oh my God, I, I I totally agree with this. I think this is totally rational of King Jong-un and, and his administration. So he, he, let me just tell you what he did, right? So you're King Jong-un, just imagine you're King Jong-un there and you're sitting there in North Korea and you got a very strict policy of, you know, do as I say and I'm the supreme ruler and your rights come from me and everything has to do. And you have this, I don't know, up at a young start, you know, this this general, he's a high-ranking official in the army. And he dare had the audacity to go, you know what? I'm going to send out extra few, food and fuel to, you know, to, the, to my troops. And I'm going to do it because we're no longer tightening our belts because we're not pursuing your weapons program, right? This has happened at the, the Sohei satellite launching station. And basically, this person said, you know what, I'm going to give instructions because, you know, it's peacetime and there's a summer happening and different things. And I'm going to give out like a ton of fuel, 580 kilos of rice and 750 kilos of corn to the military officers and to the families. Because who doesn't like fuel, rice and corn, right? Well, what would you do if you're King Jong-un? If you're Kim Jong-un, what would you do? Of course, the same thing I would do and the same thing any sane, rational person would do. You'd kill him. But not only would you kill him, you'd kill him by, you know, firing squad. And not only would you kill him by firing squad, because you got to, you know, seize the iron power. You know, do things the right way and send the message to, you know, to, to your people. Don't, don't be like this SOB. Don't be giving extra fuel and rice and corn without my approval. You know, war may be, we may be saying war is over, but until I say you can give out stuff, don't give it out. They're gonna, they riddled him with bullets. You know, firing squad, you might think, right? Normal firing squad, because we all know about firing squads. You know, everyone, I'm sure you all listening, every one of you is like me. We're, we're experts on firing squads. Heck, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about firing squads and people, you know, that you want to put in a firing squad. You know, people who disobey you. People who dare think different to you or question your authority. Firing squad. But you're thinking, you know, what's the average, you know... You might, okay, you don't want to, you want to have, you know, compassion for the people who are actually shooting the bullets, you know, this thing where we'll have like three people, so no one knows who did the kill shot. You might have three or four people, and you might think one bullet each, right? So three, four bullets, maybe five. Heck, let's go on the extreme side, let's go ten. We'll put ten bullets in them from ten different people, and no one will know who's got got the kill shot, right? Makes sense, yeah? Yeah, they put 90 bullets in them. 90 bullets. 
What does sending... What message are you sending to your people if you fire... If you kill someone by firing squad and you put 90... Nine zero bullets into him. Now, to people who you, know, you haven't eaten in a while, and you know all you have is rice, and you know your military commander gave out extra rice and corn because that always makes a great meal. Like, there's not a day that goes by that I just I'm not fully satisfied with rice and corn. But if you see ninety bullets been set put into someone, does is part of you Lincoln? Jeez, I wish they'd given me eighty nine bullets. So I could have gotten you know hunted something. That's King Jong-un. But that's not the only thing that's happening right now. Because we have new satellite images. We had the summit that happened a couple of weeks ago in early June. And we peace of our time, some people said this was. Some of the media coverage, especially by our friends on the right, were like, peace is, this is peace in our time. We've sorted it out. Turns out that may not be the case, according to a report out by 38 North this week. Even though the end of the Singapore talk talks ended with that they would work towards the goal of you know denuclearization there was no deadlines there was no exact details as i highlighted in the agreement that both parties signed it was very short on details well it turns out according to 38 north that they're making still to this day improvements to its nuclear facility and it's its main nuclear facility um if they 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 share pictures of um, you know, different buildings that have been erected at this place. And it's very disturbing. Um, they show the, the images come from the 21st of June. So after the summit, they're improving the infrastructure. I'm going to butcher this name. Young Bayon Nuclear Scientific Research Center. Um, it's a uranium rich in plants. And they've new installations at the site. They have a new engineering offices, a new driveway to the building and... Uh, which houses a nuclear reactor. Despite the summit, despite the agreement, these are still ongoing. Now, again, to those of you who are listening, there's John going on his never-Trump, anti-Trump stuff. This is nothing to do with Donald Trump. This is everything, 100%, 100% to do with Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un, been a bad guy, been a dictator, and dictators tend to lie and fudge the facts. And that while we want to hail what that summit was as a positive step, you're dealing with a bad actor. And if you're putting your eggs all in one basket, you're going to have major problems. Because King Jong-un would not be the first dictator to lie and, you know, say he was going to do one thing and then it turned out to do something totally different. So watch this space for what happens in North Korea. I hope and pray that Donald Trump and other people around the world stand tough against him, and he actually does want to come into the 21st century. I hope that works out. I hope it does. But I'm not putting my eggs in that basket. Not because of a slam on Donald Trump, not because I don't like Donald Trump as president, not because of any other reason, Bar. He is a brutal, vicious dictator. And generally, as a general rule, dictators don't, you know, change their spots. Just as a general rule, you can count on your left hand the amount of vicious, evil, brutal dictators that went, you know what, I was this brutal dictator, but now all of a sudden, you know, give peace a chance, baby. Give peace a chance, I love peace. You know, and I'm for democracy, and I'm for people having an opinion. Even if they don't like me, I'm, I'm okay with that. Generally doesn't, it doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, so, 
But from one vicious dictator to another, because we, you know, this week, again, I didn't see a lot of people talking about this. And if they did, the coverage was so bad. It was like, you know what? Let's say the the coverage of this issue, but let's try not make Donald Trump look good. That is literally what it was. That coverage was of what happened in Iran. Because I don't know if you heard, but in Iran, they're having a lot of protests because things are not going so swell in Iran. The reason they're not going swell in Iran is because this is the truth. Donald Trump pulled out of the Iran deal. (gasps) Did Donald Trump do something good? Yeah, he pulled out of the Iran deal, the Iran deal that was a fiasco. What is one of the consequences of the Iran deal, Donald Trump pulling out of the Iran deal? The One of the consequences is their currency has lost 40% of its value. 40% of its value. To put this into context, their currency is worth less against the dollar now than it was in, back in 1979. What has caused this? What has caused this is many different economic sanctions that they have put on and standing up to a brutal, evil regime. The consequences of this is the Iranian people are hurting. The Iranian people are really struggling to put food on the table. Iran, sadly, for the people, not the regime, the people could become another Venezuela very quickly. But here's the positive sign. Because this is what has not been reported in a lot of media, because this actually might give credibility that Donald Trump actually has some good policies. Even if you hate him, he has some good policies. Or maybe his policies aren't good, but the results of the policies are good. Is this. The Iranian protesters are not shouting debt to America in Iran right now. They're not saying down with the evil Satan. No, they're saying, um, what's that? Not debt to America, not debt to, to Israel. What's that other one? There's like, oh yeah, debt to the dictator. They're also chanting, "Stay out of Syria and worry about us." They're also saying debt to Palestine. Hmm, this could be a very interesting situation to watch. Now, Donald Trump, I don't for one second understand, or or I'm not going to anticipate what he does. However, I'd be very confident in saying this. Donald Trump is going to act a lot better about this situation than Barack Obama had. Because Barack Obama, when this happened in 2009, was like, oh no, the, the, the regime, we solely support it. To show you how bad things are in Iran, I don't, honestly, if you, if you want to have a bet, and it's, it's a sick bet about, you know, life expectancy of, of certain people. Again, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but there's a guy who's a member of the Iranian parliament, Amir Kojista. If you were betting on people, if you were sick and betting on people, you know, not living a very long time, I'd put I'd put the all my money on him not living very long. You know, he might meet with an accident. I don't know what that accident might be, but what he said this week, I, I can't imagine went over too well. Let me quote to you. We give the government 10 to 15 days to give its plan on confronting the enemy's plot in the economic war, or else we will raise the president's lack of efficiency through impeachment. Effectively, he's saying, if you know, if you don't solve this, we're going to impeach Rouhani. Now, the other thing you need to understand about Iran is, Iran is like, I'm trying to think, Iran is, is this system where, to make it look dem- democratic, you know, because democracy is just wonderful, you have these presidential elections, and you become president, and you're President Rouhani. 
it doesn't matter. The real power is with the Ayatollah, with the supreme leader. The the supreme leader came came only. That is who the power is with. Now, what's going to be very interesting, and th- just this little, you know, if you want to play war games or you know, think how this works, is you're not happy. The parliament want the president to be impeached if things don't work out. If you actually impeach him, what is that message sending to the rest of the world? Donald Trump won. Donald Trump, you know, his policy worked, you know, so they can't, you know, actively let this happen. So they're going to have to respond. Now, the frightening thing about what's happening on Iran and Iran's history is a lot of these people are going to be in major trouble. They're going to be put on lists. They're going to be targeted. They're going to have more economic hardship. What is the answer? The sad truth is, and this is not just a U.S. problem, this is a world problem. The sad problem is, with Donald Trump, so many people are blinded by their hatred of Donald Trump that when it comes to a situation like this, like could you imagine the Middle East, regardless of your political opinion, can you imagine the Middle East where Iran was all of a sudden somewhat of a democracy? Somewhat, I'm not even going rep- constitutional republic or freedom-loving, just not as bad as it was. Iran is the biggest funder of state terrorism in the Middle East. If you had the Ayatollah gone and the Supreme Leader, Khomeini, if you had all their power gone and you went to even a moderate democracy, even a a quote-unquote democracy like Egypt, and Egypt is hardly the bastion of freedom in the Middle East. It's not like in Israel. But let's say you even went moderate. Look at all the impacts that you would have. And it even just said, you know what, even let's go with this. Even if it said, you know what, we're still going to have tyranny in our country, but we're just not going to expand upon our borders. We're just going to close our borders and focus on ourselves. Look at the impact, the vacuum that you would have. You wouldn't have them in Syria causing all the problems they're causing. You wouldn't have them in Iraq. And you wouldn't have them in other countries, you know, trying to, you know, march into Israel. You wouldn't have them in Palestine. You know, up doing all these uprisings and feeding and fueling all that anger. The change in the Middle East, if you could change the regime in Iran, would be, if I may have the audacity to quote your president, it would be huge. It would be bigly. It would be amazing. If we can come together and just say, look, we may have major disagreements on every issue. We may disagree on abortion. We may disagree on tax policy we may disagree on the constitution but for the good of humanity getting the ayatollah out of power and you know the supreme leaders in iran and helping those people would be a great thing for our world and let me also add to people who want to be just compassionate which i agree with the iranian people i think the iranian people have a lot of potential one thing when i always talk about foreign policies even about countries i don't like and let me use the most controversial because I'm very outspoken about Israel, right? I'm very pro-Israel for many different reasons, which we don't need to discuss. People automatically assume I hate the Palestinian people. I hate the Palestinian government. I think Abbas is a piece of... You can fill in the blank. I despise Hamas. They are my enemy. They are sick, twisted people. The Palestinian people? No. I want what's best for the Palestinian people. I actually believe in freedom. 
I would love, there'd be nothing would make me happier than if we could have an appointed time, whether it's five years, ten years, or however how long it takes, a situation in the Middle East with just Palestine and Israel, where you had a two-state solution, where both said, you know what, we will run our place, you run your place, but you have a right to exist, and you have a right to exist, and let's coexist where we can. Let our people just live in peace. You don't try kill us, we won't try kill you. It's a really simple thing. If you didn't have people... You know, trying to stoke the fires of going, they've taken something from you. You have to hate them. Debt to the Jews. You could have an amazing situation. Iran been removed from that would help an enormous amount. It would help bigly. It would be huge. Huge. The Middle East actually has a potential under this president to make major changes. You know, what's what's funny is, if I may just speak as someone who, you know, was a never-Trumper, quote-unquote, because I didn't support anyone in the presidential primary or the presidential election, I call balls and strikes, that's my job, but I was called a never-Trumper. Donald Trump will has the potential, the potential, I'm not saying he is, has the potential to go down as the most influential president, maybe ever. Why? And I'm not jumping on the Trump time, by the way. Anyone thinks, you're joining Glenn Beck. I'm not jumping on any Trump. I'm just calling it as I see it. If he could actually bring peace to the North Korea, if he could bring an end to the armistice in Korea, if he could, you know, get North Korea to denuclearize and actually bring some type of stability, quote-unquote, to that region, if he could have this situation with Iran where he could bring stability to that region, because... Uh, you take Iran out of the Middle East. I cannot stress how important Iran is to terrorism in the Middle East. If you read anything, and don't take my word for it, do your own research. Read some of the sites on the information. You take Iran out, a lot of problems go away. You still have to make the argument there's still a lot of hatred that needs to be dealt with. But over a period of time, if you start bin for peace, and you start making the case, you could have a situation where the Middle East has goes through a relative peace period of time now obviously then there's still places like russia and china and you know hacking and you know other places that will cause problems and they might prop up but donald trump could have a huge legacy that we will be discussing 100 years from now but here's the key thing and this is what i would ask you because it's easy to be against something in the middle east it's easy in even in america it's easy to go i don't like something what we need right now and i i say this more certain than ever and I'm always dangerous. I always feel bad when I say I'm certain. Is we need to make the case of what we are for. America and the world needs to hear about the idea of freedom. The idea of which we started today's show with. If I may come full circle. That idea, you have a right to your thoughts and your emotions, your feelings. You have a right to your voice. You have a right to be associated with who you want to associate with. You, this idea of freedom is a wonderful idea. The idea of man controlling you and shaping you and telling you what to think is so old news. It's so yesterday. It's not cool and hip. Bin you is cool and hip. Let's share that message with as many people as we can. That idea of America, that you have a right to your life, you have a right to your liberty, you have a right to your property, both physical and mental. And you have a right to pursue your happiness. That it doesn't matter where you come from. That it does not matter 
where, what upbringing you had or what education you have or what color you were or who you sleep with or what your gender is, you have a right to pursue your happiness. And that there is no limit on life. That people who say to you, you live in this box, you will never get out of this box, are lying to you. And the only way that ever happens and actually comes true is if you believe them. You're like, oh yeah, that's right, I'll only be in this box for all my life. We need to be inspirational. We need to share that message with as many people as possible. whether Regardless of whether who they believe or what they believe. That you have freedoms. And I, they don't come from me. They don't come from your supreme leader. They don't come from your dictator. They don't come from your president or your politicians or your political party. They come from nature. You don't even have to make it about God. They come from nature. Because I'm the same as you. You cut me. I'm Irish. And you're American. You cut my arm. I bleed red just like you. I have skin and bones just like you. My skin might be different pigments. I might have different levels of hair. I might have bigger bulging veins. I might be bigger in size. It doesn't matter. We're still human. We're all part of this human race. I may worship God. You may be an atheist. Good for you. We have different views in religion. You may even have different opinions on America. But if we can make the case of what we are for and let's meet on the battleground of ideas, we actually might have a chance of living in a world and handing a world off to our kids and our grandkids with major, major potential. Or we can just keep on squabbling about Red Hen and leaving negative reviews and getting caught up in the issues of the day. Choice is yours. The choice is yours. What, how you act or how you don't act will define your future and will help define the future of others. But what I will say is I will leave you with this quote. And it's a quote Ronald Reagan, I think, made famous. If you believe in freedom, forget the parties. I don't care whether you're GOP or conservative or libertarian. If you believe in freedom, how can you not be excited by looking at the world we live in right now and going, my God, what opportunities we have. What opportunities we have. We have more opportunities today than we have ever had before. I can make a difference in this world if I have a message to share. I don't have to write a book. I can just go on Facebook. I can reach unlimited amount of people. I can do a podcast. I can write articles. There are people who are yearning to be free right now. Let's share that message with them. Let's share that positive message with them. Because here's the truth. If not you, who? The truth of the matter is, the only people who have ever understood fundamental freedom are practiced it on some way, not perfected. There was a lot of faults with the freedom you practiced, was the American people. You have come closest to a system of government that worked, that was eternal, that was true. It still had warts and it still needed to be approved upon. But you're the only people. If you're not going to speak out at these opportunities for freedom for the North Korean people, freedom for the Iranian people, real freedom for the American people, real freedom for people in Europe, who is going to speak about it? You think a European is going to know about that freedom? It doesn't. You think the North Korean people know about real freedom? It doesn't. Heck, you think an American today who's 2021 who has gone through public education, who has never had their parents taught, who never learned anything in church, who never had any community involvement in their education, is going to know about the Founding Fathers? There are some, but you think the vast majority are? If you're not going to speak to them and share that message, who is? 
And with everything going on right now, if you're not going to speak now, when are you going to speak? When is the point in time going to come where you're going to speak about principles again? Or is it just going to be for my friends on the right? Is it going to be when it's a democratic president? Is that when the constitution is going to be cool again? Is that when we're going to have a new uprising of a quote-unquote Tea Party? When they have power? All of a sudden, you're going to find your constitutional voices once again and speak about limited government. If not you, who? If not now, when? There's many reasons we can be annoyed and frustrated and very fearful for the future of this world. But we need to be the voices of saying, yes, there are many reasons to be fearful. But just this week, you have seen a change in Iran. It's a small change, but that is all it needs. Sometimes it's only the smallest smidgen of light that breaks through in the darkness and it becomes a whole new day. But we have to act and we must tell the world what we are for. And I don't mean telling them the Republican platform. I don't mean telling them the Donald Trump platform. I don't mean telling them the Hillary Clinton platform or the Democratic platform. I mean telling them about freedom. The freedom that nature provides you. If we start sharing that message, my God, what world we will live in. There will always be trouble. It won't be utopia. I'm not promising you that. But if we share a message of freedom, of hope, of liberty for all, we can live in the best world that we this world has ever seen, that has ever existed. Something to think about this weekend, America. As always, we finish up today's show the way we do every week, by saluting the real heroes in society. By saluting your police, your armed forces, your medical personnel, and your firefighters. I know that's a bit backwards. We're throwing you a curveball today. Those are the men and women who risk their lives 24-7 so that we can have be safe and we can live in peace and we can have a brighter tomorrow. And lastly, if you've heard nothing today, hear this. America is great because Americans are good. That makes you different to every other nation. Your people define you, not your politics, not your president, not your who's in Congress, not your media, your people. How each and every one of you act defines your nation. And you are great because you are good, honest people. As long as you continue to be that way and you inspire future generations, my God, the future is bright. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network.